After reciting a litany of serious sins, what we would call mortal sins, in this epistle reading, St. Paul comes to say that those who commit them will not enter the kingdom of God. The alternative to heaven in the next life is only too clear. It's eternal loss, misery, damnation. That's a topic that's not topical nowadays. But it is one that enjoyed greater familiarity in some past time. It's not entirely clear to me why we, in our time, should be reticent to acknowledge and to think about this aspect of Christian teaching, especially in view of its frequency in the New Testament. Our Lord came, as he asserted, to save those who would otherwise be lost. And he himself, at one point in the Gospels, gives a list similar to St. Paul's of sins that exclude those committing them from entering heaven. It's a matter of speculation whether anyone seriously considers himself to be headed for hell. There is, I believe, something in the human spirit that forbids imagining oneself to have forever lost the whole purpose of being, which is to say to attain to eternal life in Christ. Hope is an essential virtue infused into us at baptism that resides permanently in one's soul unless one happens to sin specifically against hope. And this means, among other things, that one carries within himself a certain divinely infused confidence of making it of succeeding in winning the prize, of attaining the goal, of fulfilling life's aim in the next life, even though along the way, one may have to suffer the misfortunes and hardships of life. But that self-protective tendency might be nothing more than a natural spirit of self-preservation carried over into the spiritual realm and have no true supernatural basis. A false and deceptive self-confidence in this regard is not to be discounted. In any case, no one ought to consider himself beyond the possibility of damnation because the roots of those eternally excluding sins are present in everybody, even though it's true that not everyone commits them, at least not all of them. Returning to the epistle, 
it concludes with a rather startling phrase. St. Paul writes that they who belong to Christ have crucified their flesh with its vices and desires. The meaning, of course, is that they have willingly done some kind of injury to their flesh for spiritual advantage. The centrality of mortification in Catholic ascetical practice, fastings, vigils, suffering discomfort and pain, enduring insult and scorn without bitterness or retaliation, etc. These find their justification in a passage such as this. Indeed, you will find this penitential note present in all the church's long history. And by the way, it's also to be found even among the pagans in their religious practices. It's curious then that this so necessary component of the gospel is being slighted or downplayed in a time of manifest sensuality. One would think that the church ought to be pounding this theme with trouble force in a time such as this. This ascetical note, as I said, is an essential component of the gospel. Our Lord warned us, saying that unless we do penance, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. He indicated that there would be a time after his departure from this earth when men indeed should fast. And he spoke of fasting in conjunction with prayer and giving up one's money as alms to aid the needy. And I find this message also in the Psalter. A single example for you is this. Lord, pierce my flesh with your fear. Which I wonder may have been the inspiring idea behind another phrase of St. Paul's where he said that he chastises his body in order to bring it into subjection. And in yet another place where he sought remedy in prayer for what he called a thorn in his flesh. In any case, he did claim that our Lord's cross was his boast and that he considered himself as having been crucified with Christ so that the Lord lived in him and he lived himself no longer. Our Lord commanded us to take up our cross and follow him. And he said that whoever loves his life will lose it, while he who hates his life in this world preserves it for life eternal. We see here that the gospel of Christ wars against our highly prized 
self-esteem, self-importance, and self-love. Of course, no sane person can literally hate himself, nor willfully do himself injury, nor willfully suffer indignation, nor deprive himself of comforts readily at hand, unless he has some sufficient motive, which in the realm of religion means that he has supernatural hope to gain by it. And so, we ought not to pray, I think, for spiritually challenging hardships to evade us or for having an easy time in this life. Rather, we should ask for the fortitude to do whatever the Lord wills for his glory and for our salvation. Fortitude is the spiritual muscle that makes determined men and women become saints. But it's a thing not in high profile today. And our technologically adept people nowadays are not well disposed to cultivate this moral virtue. The plain words of the gospel should be clear to anybody. No man can serve two masters. One will be loved, one will be hated. Be not solicitous for your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his justice. These are the reasons why we ought to want to be eager Christians and not to fear to practice self-denial or take up penances or to accept the pains and sorrows of this life. Getting to heaven should be our one and only life's project. Narrow is the way. And whatever it takes to condition ourselves for eternity ought to be the accepted means to attain it. If there were some other way than this, surely God would have revealed it to us. We can't grow weary of fighting off the sins that would bar us from heaven, even if this means that we have to impose on ourselves the gospel's disciplinary measures. They're meant to be remedies for our weaknesses. In light of these thoughts, how apt is the collect prayer for this Mass, which the Church has us pray today, the 14th Sunday after Pentecost. Favor your Church unceasingly, Lord, and keep her safe. And because apart from you, man is wont to fall, May she, by your help, be ever withdrawn from harm and guided unto good. <laughs>